You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, Bridget here. Julie and I had the pleasure of chatting with Victoria Russell. Victoria is the Beam Centauri Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. She is committed to using her voice for real change. And she shared with us her journey and insights and some tips directly from her experience as a commercial business leader that led her to the passion of becoming a diversity, inclusion, and equity leader. She's been featured as today's 2020's most admired woman in the corporate category. So sit back, relax, grab yourself your favorite Maker's Mark cocktail and enjoy the show. Victoria, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. We've been looking forward to this um, since our kind of our intro meeting a few months ago. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Super excited. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from and, and really what inspired you to go into the beverage industry? Great question. So um, I've had a bit of um, some, some different paths along the way. And it's, it's funny, actually, this morning, I was doing a, a talk with some of our interns at the organization. So when I think about the feedback I share is just being flexible in your journey, right? So when I think years and years ago in college days, I knew exactly what I wanted to be, right? I'm going to be a surgeon. I'm going to do all these things. And then that changed. Then in college, I decided I'm going to get into marketing. My first role out of school happened to be in human resources, so I did compensation for a bit with um, Humana and then Brown Foreman. So that was actually my first move into the spirits industry. Loved it there, but I really wanted to get into marketing. So I thought I'm just going to leave for a bit, get some more experience in marketing An opportunity at Papa John's presented itself. And I thought I'll go right back, right to Brown Foreman. I love the spirits industry. Well, 15 years later, I was still at Papa John's. And so that didn't happen, but um, you know, as my career continued to twist and turn. So I spent 12 years actually in marketing, doing analytics, consumer analytics, competitive analysis, all of those things, loved data. That was something that really um, kind of sparked along the way in my career. Absolutely loved it. Uh, but then Papa John's entered kind of phase one of, of the crisis it was going through. We started our first uh, DNI committee. I got heavily involved. Um, luckily, because of my path, I was able to lean back on the experience and um, Folks in my past from Brown Foreman, from Humana, that were exceptional DNI leaders um, and helped me along that journey. And so I began, I stepped into the role of leading the committee. And then eventually, in kind of the part two of the crisis that was happening at the organization, um, the CEO turned to me and said, Hey, Victoria, here's a white sheet of paper. This is your job description. And so I was thrilled, right? And so I stepped into the role, thrilled yet terrified. Let me be honest, I was absolutely terrified. Yeah. I uh, wasn't sure what to expect, what was going to happen, but I knew, you know, I wanted to speak up kind of on behalf of the employees there, what was really going on uh, from the, the employee perspective. 
and really refocus right the path that we were on. DNI obviously was heavily important. It's something the organization needed for a really long time, but being able to contribute in that way, I think was really powerful. And so a lot of times when people ask like, how did you get here? Why do you want to stay in DNI? Um, honestly, it, it leans back on the story. My mom had passed away. She had stage four ovarian cancer during that really difficult time at Papa John's. Um, but I remember from her funeral, the things people said, right? They talked about the person she was, all the amazing things she had done in her life, things that my sisters and I you know, had no idea about. And so at that moment, at 37, to get the life lesson to kind of start focusing on my legacy was like one of the greatest gifts she could give me because then I focused what I wanted to do in terms of contributions on impact of others. So then it became less about the job, right? And the job title and those things and more about what impact can I make? And the DNI space obviously lends itself to that type of work. It kind of reaches into all aspects of business. So with regard to marketing, branding, community, social justice, social impact, all of those things. And at the center of all of that is people. So, you know, for me, that's kind of been my journey. And that's what led me here to, to Beam Centauri. Thrilled to do the work here. I've only been on board six months, but it feels closer to six years um, at this point, but absolutely love it. Uh, I'm so glad you shared that with us. And we are just so honored to have you here because I know we let you on board for a little bit, but as soon as we got the announcement that you were joining Beam Centauri, we were like, we need Victoria on Served Up. And you know, so we're just, we're so honored to have you and let's, let's go back a little bit because not everybody might know about the crisis at Papa John's, but I loved that when we were talking about this, my last, I remembered something happened with Papa John's, but my last memory of all of that was that Papa John's really took a leadership role in publicly as a corporation saying we have a DNI strategy, right? So the impact of what you did ended up being what the company needed, right? And it's yes. like that lasting impact is a positive impact versus a negative. And you had to kind of take me back and remind me of what happened. So if you could just kind of share that with the listeners, because I think it's it's such a fascinating story and that that you were such a big part of it. And I and I just love what you're saying about DNI and and kind of that passion of really helping people, especially somebody like you that really had a big core of your career and the success in, in a commercial aspect to go to go back to that. So please share. Absolutely. Without going into too great a detail, yeah. you know, and, and many of your, the listeners could obviously Google it. It's a huge story, but you know, our founder made some unfortunate comments and I, you know, I, I have to say it wasn't just me. It was a, a huge team effort by people within the organization. Um, but I think for me, just feeling vocal and being kind of tired right over time of the things you see and experience um, and just stepping up and, and, and saying what it is and, and leaning in. Um, and I think for me, the greatest thing was, you know, we were hearing so much in the media, so much in the news around the organization, around the founder, um, but nobody was talking about the rest of us, the team members, the franchisees. And so that was kind of the untold story that I was super passionate about. What about us, right? We've worked here, many of us for 10, 20 years and being kind of stuck in the middle. And for me as a black female, you know, I was hearing all kinds of awful feedback, uh, honestly, from friends and family. Why do you work there? Why would you work there? Is this really true? Is this happening? And so I, I thought it was really important that we leaned into the people of the organization and shift the focus, um, honestly, back where it needed to be with the employees, with the franchisees and the customers. 
So I'm, I think I'm definitely one of many of those voices, right? That kind of pushed for that. And I'm excited and, and love the opportunity to have a meaningful impact in the organization. That's so rare, particularly even at my level at the time. Um, it showed the power of the employees and the voice we had. And honestly, the leadership's ability to listen and to lean in and to hear from the employees of the brand. We launched a listing tour um, during that time. And so the leadership, myself and others, went out, talked to employees in the stores, talked to franchisees, employees at the organization all across, just to understand how people are feeling and what can we do and what do the next steps need to be. Um, obviously, at the time, there were so many boycotts you know, going, around, going on around the organization. So even it was a little scary, right? Leaning into the groups that you felt hated you or hated the organization. But at the center, all of it was just, let's talk about it, right? What are the steps we need to take? What do people feel we should do? And be um, transparent about what we're doing, authentic in the steps we need to take. I think, honestly, taking the hit to say, yes, we've got a lot of changes we need to make. Quite frankly, prior to even the events that had occurred, there was a lot of progress probably that still needed to be made and after. Um, and so, you know, I think it was a powerful journey to be on. I I'm thankful for being a part of one of the largest turnaround stories kind of of that kind with so many incredible people, so many amazing lessons learned along the way. And what's beautiful now, and I, and I see this, so the organization, you know, is in a much better place, sales are good, things like that. They recently announced, you know, the move to relocating the headquarters to Atlanta. But something I've seen that was beautiful is the employees who are no longer with the organization or, or opting to move on. Everyone is helping each other, right? Find their new roles. Hey, I've got this opportunity or, hey, I, I know about this and that's happening. And just seeing people come together. I think a lot of that through the DNI work we were doing beyond just diversity, but just being in inclusive, right? Building those relationships with each other, getting to understand what we have in common and not just different right? Started to build some beautiful relationships, I think, that took place. And so seeing that continue to play out even now, it, it's amazing to see. It was great people there. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. You know, when you talk about DNI, and we, we usually always talk about equity, right? Um, yes. As well. It's, it's all one thing. And, you know, thank God what came out of 2020 was a really uh, a big spotlight on change, on cultural change, especially in corporate America, what are some gaps that you see? What are some gaps maybe that you spotlight in, in corporate America that, that still needs some changing and how do you see that happening? Yeah. You know, I think one thing um, I see organizations do one, making a lot of declarations of what they're going to do without really thinking through how to do it, how they're going to get there, being transparent in the process, um, I think is really key. And then, you know, over committing when I think a lot of organizations will see this company's doing this, this company's doing that, we need to say something versus making sure what you're saying is authentic and you can deliver, I think is really important. I saw a lot of that in 2020, everyone kind of jumping on um, the bandwagon to some degree um, to feel like we want to avoid obviously being called out. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm less concerned about being called out externally as being called out internally right? Your own people. So if you're doing things and making statements and declarations that your own people don't feel or see or believe in, I think can be absolutely problematic. The other big thing I encourage organizations to do is let the data lead the way. I think in DNI, because it's such a personal and broad topic um, and everyone's kind of looking for, what about me? What about me? And finding themselves in it, the, the need or the um, feeling that you need to boil the ocean, right? Is definitely there. And I think 
you've got to be careful that you're not trying to do so many things and please so many people that you end up pleasing no one. So I always say, you know, let the data lead the way, look at your own internal analytics, understand where the gaps and disparities are. That's equity work, right? Um, and how you're going to go about resolving those things and, and prioritize, you know, being, we talk about ruthless prioritization. So you've got to understand like where the biggest gaps are, what are we going to do? And then communicate um, accordingly, right? So be transparent. It's not that other things are less important or not important, but these are the things we're going to prioritize to get the biggest impact, you know, right away. And sometimes when you look for and solve for the least common denominator, all ships rise. So I think that's really important just to keep in mind as well. And then, like I said, communicate, 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 be transparent, right? And people will give you grace if they see that you're doing the work. I think that's definitely something I experienced uh, during my time at Papa John's. A lot of external organizations that had really turned the heat up um, on us when they started to see us doing the work and I and others were actively staying in touch and communicating about the progress we were making, things kind of simmered down a bit, you know, and I said to many of them, hold us accountable. If you see that we're going the wrong way or not accelerating fast enough, hold us accountable. But this type of work doesn't happen overnight. Right. So that's the other big thing. Companies are like, we're going to start doing this and we're going to change human behavior next week. It doesn't work like that. So I think it's really understanding it is a journey. You want to be careful. You don't use that phrase to buy yourself too much time, right? You need to have a sense of urgency, but it is a journey and it's going to take time. Absolutely. I mean, I think those are really good points to make is, you know, number one, it's more important on the impact you have with the people working for the company than the public, right? So it's really easy to throw something out out there on what you're doing. But if your own people don't believe it and feel like they're a part of it, it's going to be a, a pretty big uphill battle, you know? Absolutely. Uh, DNI is internal and external yeah. work, right? And they need to go hand in hand. Um, what I've done in the past that was really, really helpful, our multicultural agency of record that we brought on board, Nimbus, was wonderful as a partner to DNI as well as marketing. And then it was easy to make sure what one hand is doing, the other knew about, right? So if marketing's doing a campaign where we could tap or leverage, say, our employee resource groups, that was something we could do or vice versa. Um, and I think that really helped because you want to make sure it's aligned, that you don't send, you know, certain marketing messages out that your employees kind of raise an eyebrow about, or you're doing great work inside that no one external knows about. Because when you think of recruitment efforts and your brand's, you know, reputation and what people think about the organization, that's how you recruit. So if they hear this company's doing great things and I want to be a part of that, right, that's a great way to do that. And your people are your best uh, vehicles to get that message out there. Hundred percent, and I think that that's what's so fascinating about your experience and now your role at Beam Centauri is that you really bridge that gap with DNI and the marketing and the commercial. Because you know, one of the challenges that we hear from a lot of people that are in the DNI or the that space is making sure that the commercial side is also vested in the initiatives and that that's being portrayed on that end, you know, so being able to bring those two together is really uh, powerful. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role? Because I know that it's not a typical role for a DNI leader. So we'd love to know a little bit more about that. It is not. And that's actually what attracted me to it. First, I'll tell you. So during the process, you know, when you're interviewing and not looking for a role, you can actually be a little bit more little deeper in the questions that you ask. And so something that, you know, was really important to me 
um, in this opportunity is leadership buy-in was critical for me. You know, I didn't want to go to an organization that had all the right words, said all the right things, but really didn't live it or believe it. Um, and so through the journey, you know, when I uh, got through the process and met with, with Paula Erickson, the, the chief um, HR officer, her passion, I could see it right away. Right. But then when I got to Albert, our CEO, I was quite frankly blown away a bit because it went beyond right saying the right things or even fully understanding the business imperative. Like at this point, at that level, I expect that. But his personal commitment really resonated with me. Um, I think for him, it is what is the legacy he's going to leave as a CEO for making this a better organization, a better culture, a more inclusive organization for the people. And I believed him. And so coming in, obviously, with the you know last six months, being able to see that lived in his actions, his words, the leadership's actions has been incredible. Um, and I commend the ELT for their commitment and they're trying to live it. They're actually embarking upon an inclusive leadership program right now. Uh, very time consuming, but they're committed and they understand their responsibility, right, to the people of the organization. So that's tremendous. And then in this role, um, as you noted, right, it's not the typical, very kind of either HR slash compliance type of focus, but being able to work across the organization. So with supply chain and looking into um, rolling out supplier diversity initiatives with our brand team, the commercial teams to understand, are we, are we marketing inclusively? Are our marketing leaders really equipped with the tools and capabilities um, to do their job really well? You know, I think a lot of times in marketing roles, you know, you kind of look for the diverse person to have the diverse perspective, right? So if we're going to do something for the Hispanic community, let's tap the, if there's a Hispanic person on the team, that's a huge burden to carry. If you're the lonely only, right, on the team or one of a few, you know, I think it's really important. And this is something we've discussed at length at Beam is about, you know, it's everyone's responsibility, right, to be multicultural marketing experts, to be cultural experts, right? I think we're we're evolving marketing in the sense that it used to be this focus on multicultural. I think at some point, if not already now, we're beyond that, that, you know, we know by 2045, the minority is the majority, right? And when we look at millennials and Gen Z, we're already there. So when I think of culture, I think that's very different now. Um, and I always tell people, if you're confused about what's culture, just scroll on TikTok. You can get lost. Who's doing what? Who's dancing to what videos and music, right? Um, and seeing the blend, I think we see now within culture. But I think it's every marketer's responsibility to understand that um, and implement that in the work that we're doing. So it's no longer the one person's job. But I think it's important that when we think about diversity, do we have all of those diverse perspectives on our teams, right? And beyond just are they on the team, do they have a voice? A lot of times you'll get the, the person that's got that diverse perspective, but they're not in a position to speak up. They're not in a position to say something. They may fear always having the different opinion, you know? So I think it's really important we create inclusive organizations and cultures that allow that difference of thought to come forward and to make us a better organization. And then I think it lends itself to taking a little bit more risks right out in the market, calculated risks. I think we'd get a little less gun shy on doing something bold because you fear, well, what if? Because today, right in social media, it just takes one person to say, oh, I hated this campaign or why did they do this, right? But I think if we have enough difference to circulate and talk and share, whether it's with our agency partners, um, within our own teams, or even tapping our employee impact groups as resources, right, to get those perspectives to ensure we're doing the right thing. I love that. You talk so much about, it really starts with the people. It starts with the internal, right? 
and then moving over to external. And I know that Beam Suntory um, has a lot of terrific programs around DNI and and equity. Um, can you talk to some of those programs that really excited you when you joined the team? You know, one, and I just had an opportunity to meet with uh, some of the the folks in this program now, but our T three program, which is really focusing on bringing in diverse talent into the organization. So again, we've got our 2030 ambitions, 50% women in leadership, 45% um, racial and ethnic diversity. And that's really important to the organization. So what are the steps are we taking to ensure that? And so T3 is one of the programs that um, is designed to kind of set up bringing in diverse talent into the organization, into some key roles, uh, particularly in our commercial organization, uh, launching some of our learning and development programs. So I kind of mentioned our inclusive leadership program that just launched. Very excited about that. It's a 12-month program, starting with our executive leaders and cascading down throughout the organization. Um, those are some of the key programs we're launching now. I think it's really key to understand from a L&D perspective what you're doing for mid-level managers as well as your employees. So when I think of uh, mid-level managers, they often struggle at that level because they understand right the impact it has on the people, the employees of the organization, on their teams. They also you know, understand the leadership is dedicated and committed, right? But at the end of the day, they're still, they still got to juggle their day job. They still have to drive results at the end of the day. And so they get kind of caught in the middle. And so I think really arming them, like I said, with tools, capabilities, the right language in many cases to talk about DNI, why we're doing what we're doing, the importance around it in the right way so that employees understand what's happening, that their leaders are committed, I think is really key. So we're working on um, some programs to target that level of the organization as well. And then lastly, around our employees, we're looking into creating a resource library for our employees. And this is throughout all levels of the organization. Today, people consume content very differently. Some are a little fatigued with DNI trainings, right? Whether it's sitting in virtual sessions now or in person, but are there other things we can do with regard to um, podcasts like this one, right? Or article links or things like that, or books that we can share that people can consume content on their own time. Um, in, in their own way. I think a big learning of 2020, there was this fatigue with, you know, all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, we get it. Black Lives Matter, things are happening. I've got questions. Well, some people were tired of answering questions. They're tired of the things that are going on. And so I think it's so important that we take time to self-study. Um, same thing when we saw, you know, stop Asian hate, right? Instead of just all of a sudden you've got a thousand questions for your your Asian friends, like go self-study, go learn, go research, go read, go listen um, so that you can be a better friend and ally and an advocate uh, versus seeking all of that, right? Putting that additional burden um, on those affected communities. Yeah, that you bring up a great point. I think it is the responsibility of all of us, whether you're an employee at an organization or in marketing, you know, I thought that really stood out is that it's not just, hey, you're Asian or you're Black or you're Hispanic. What's your point of view on this? It's we should all do the work to learn about the different cultures and to learn about, you know, to, to not only be empathetic, but also to be better as in your role as a human Absolutely. being and as um, as you contribute. And I think if anything, 2020 really pushed that. So I'm glad I'm glad you guys are providing those resources uh, to the teams. And we've been seeing a lot. And I know Beam Centauri has really been ahead of the game in in regards to more inclusive marketing, right? When, you know, and I and I guess, you know, it's called multicultural marketing, but it is to be more inclusive with your brands um, and and how you portray yourself to the different communities. Um, and I think Maker's Mark is just 
incredible with that. And, um, you know, could you share a little bit on what you've experienced with all the work that Makers Mark is doing and, and the brand teams moving forward? Yeah, you know, I've been a part of uh, several of the conversations, not as in depth yet, right, with six months in. But what I've seen so far is just the commitment there, right, to do better, to continue to learn, um, to, to make sure that we are representative. You know, any organization, including ourselves, we're going to sometimes make mistakes, right? But I think the effort allows people to give you grace when you make the mistake. And I think that's what's really important is showing that we're trying to do better. Um, we're always looking for continuous improvement, opportunities to continuously improve, and then seeking the feedback, right? And whether it's internal or external on ways we can continue to improve. So, you know, just in what I've seen so far, you know, with the brands, I, I've been impressed. I think it's great. I think I'd love to see us continue to take more risk um, and continue to be kind of this leader and front runner. You know, we sell, you know, America's favorite, favorite bourbons, right? Like, so I think it's so important that we get this right and that people feel and see themselves um, represented in our creative, that we want you to consume our products, that you're a part of kind of that family, right, of the organization versus some of the stereotypical ways I think we often look, um, particularly in this industry and spirits, particularly around bourbon, that we're being a lot more inclusive because, you know, I know the circles I run in and, and I consume the products. Even as women, right? I think there's a huge, you know, market of women that are bourbon drinkers as well and wanting to see yourself represented that, that there's not the stereotype that it's, you know, a gentleman's cocktail or a certain demographics cocktail, that it's for everyone, right? And, and exploring that and, and having fun with it. At the end of the day, I work for a spirits organization. It should be a ton of fun, you know, and it is. And I think that's important that it shows up in the work as well as the experiences of the people. Victoria, you know, we get a lot of folks that tune in, you know, that listen to Served Up that may be um, a small mom and pop, let's say restaurant or bar, and maybe they can't afford to have a DNI person present, right? Do you have any recommendations for, you know, the smaller customers who would like to start a DNI program for, for their place, you know, for their staff? What would you suggest um, to get started? Great, great question. You know, when I started in the work, I used to get kind of questions or ask like, hey, can you come speak with our organization or share some best practices? And for smaller organizations that usually have like one person doing the work or no one or like it's side of desk or someone else, I always suggest starting with awareness building. So education, that's the trainings, that's any leadership development programs, things of that nature. I think one great place to start is hiring. You can hire either an external consultant to do the work or just someone to start off the trainings. Just start the conversations. I think that's better than doing nothing at all or wishing and hoping, right? And so I think that's a great place to start. There's a lot of folks out there now that do that work. They'll come in, do a couple of the trainings, just get people at least having the conversations, thinking differently. I think you'll see a lot of impact um, in the work that they do, I think that's key. And at least just having the conversation, right? So that's definitely the place I always advise folks to start. And then from an internal perspective, start looking at your data. You know, so if it's a smaller organization or smaller company, just start assessing kind of where you are. I, I often don't encourage, like you'll hear people say, we want to look like the communities we serve. And that's great, right? That's a great ambition. When you think of, for example, in the U.S. and look at census data, it can be really difficult for companies to make the leap from where they currently stand from a demographic perspective. So, you know, what can you do in terms of smaller steps, making continuous improvement, setting goals, realistic, 
and simple goals that you're going to make progress toward. So I think, you know, that's definitely a step. So being transparent in the data, a lot of companies don't even look at their data or know where they stand. Um, same thing with supplier diversity. You know, what is your diverse supplier spend? I think supplier diversity is really key for organizations to really get into. And today I'm seeing a lot of articles where companies are even more focused on minority-owned business or Black-owned business in particular, which is fantastic, right? And so when we think about the communities we want to live and work in, what is our corporate responsibility to give back? And not even giving back, to the responsibility to ensuring that things are equitable, right? So these massive companies or smaller companies, when you think of the buying power that they have, who are they giving business to? People support businesses that support them, um, and particularly within communities. So I think that's another, it's, it can be huge undertaking, or you can just start making some steps toward it, right? Just looking at your data and are you inclusive? And a lot of times people will say, oh yeah, we don't, we don't have any bias. We don't discriminate until they look at the numbers. And then it's like, oh, I didn't realize. And that's the unconscious bias, right? <laughs> that we all have. And I always am one that likes to assume positive intent. But again, um, what gets measured gets done. So if you start looking at the data, setting some goals or, or success metrics around the work, I think that's definitely a step one. I love your response to that because I, I think that's where it starts, right? It's, it's what is your intention? Do you really, do you want to do it? Because that's what you're supposed to do is to have a, um, you know, a diverse and inclusive organization, or do you do it because you want to, or because you're supposed to do it? And I think if the leader, the owners, or the key stakeholders don't truly want to do it because it's the right thing to do all the training and all the resources in the world, um, it won't help, right? Completely agree. You know, um, this work starts at the top. I often think the, the true d officer for an organization is the CEO. Mm -hmm. If they're not on board, if they're not committed, if they don't see the value um, and the long-term impact right on the people, that that's a priority and it's important, then, you know, it's, it's really not worth even starting because I think you can even create frustration if your intentions aren't pure and you're just doing it, say, to stay out of trouble or, or stay off the, the radar, um, I think it's really important that that starts at the top. And so a lot of diversity officers now, and you've seen a lot of movement right in this space, it's a very hot kind of space to be in right now, are really evaluating um, the leadership's commitment because that really dictates your ability to do the job and be successful um, and have the impact you want to make. And so I think in this space, that's critical, right, that you have that. And so you know, coming on board, that was really important for me. I'm seeing it lived, you know, and it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean everything's always going to be easy or every, you know, program you put in a place is, is going to take off running, but making sure you have that support, you know, from the top, from those around you, particularly in HR, like is, is critical. So human resources is a huge partner for DNI, And I think that work has to go hand in hand. You have to be on the same page. Um, you can have some good heated debates, right, about about the work you need to do, but making sure you get there in the end. And that's something I'm really thankful for to have that support uh, of the executive leadership team at Beam, definitely from the CEO and the CHRO. Like that is so, so important. Yeah. And I think if anything, what 2020 forced these organizations do and the CEOs and the owners of the organizations is to come out and and give their stance. And everybody was looking for it, right? And and it's you know, it was always kind of assumed that any good organization is is going to have DNI initiatives, but to actually hear your CEO, like at Southern Glazers, you know, when we heard Wayne Chaplin make his statement, 
that gave us all like, wow. I mean, I would have never expected that to happen prior to 2020. And, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and so many others is that it forced everybody to say, hey, this is your opportunity. What is your stance? We never had that conversation. And then from there, it's all the work that we do. So we've always done work, but we've doubled down. And, you know, to your point, got closer to the field, got closer to the people and um, work together, myself included, on what can we all do to, to bring that change. And, you know, in, in hindsight, I think it's, it's helped a lot of people, you know, like myself, kind of find that passion outside of just doing your job and doing a really good job and moving up that corporate ladder. It's like now there's like that true meaning and something that is, you know, far more fulfilling than another promotion or, or a, a pay upgrade. It really is. It, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, what I'm seeking kind of on my journey is impact. And so one thing, this role I have loved, and I think many kind of sometimes underestimate, right? The work of the DNI leader, but coming in, doing the listening tour and what has happened since like my first 90 days, so many employees still will come to me, want to, they want to share their experiences. I am so thankful that they feel that comfortable, that they feel kind of this trusting relationship to, to confide in me because it gives me a really good perspective of what's going on and how to shape that for the leadership, right? Because often there's, there wasn't always that conduit between the people and their voice uh, because HR sometimes felt like I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to create an issue where I think in this role, it's just having an ear, a thought partner. Um, a lot of the conversations I have sometimes are with leaders that are just, hey, I'm not sure what to do here. Or can you give me some some advice or thoughts on how to handle a particular situation, how to create a more inclusive group? Or, you know, from what we talked about earlier in terms of self-studying, can you give me some recommendations? I want to do better. And I love hearing that. And I love kind of being in the middle of it. Um, it is a huge time commitment, but it is absolutely worth it. Right. And so I just, I just love the work that I'm able to do here. Um, and in this organization. And one thing I've also seen within the DNI space as a whole, a lot of DNI leaders um, are in a lot of organizations kind of with each other, whether it's to commiserate and kind of talk about, right, the pressures of the work, um, to share best practices. I think at the end of the day, we're all kind of wanting to see people win. One thing that was interesting in my journey at Papa John's is I developed a beautiful relationship with the diversity officer for young brands. And some said, oh my goodness, I can't believe you two, you know, would, would help each other or, or talk about this. And, and we agreed. We said, it's not about pizza. It's about people. And it sounded literally cheesy, haha, pun intended, but, <laughs> but it was so true. And I have found that to be the case uh, across this kind of specter of this industry with other leaders that everyone's really just seeking to, you know, really make this a better place, whether it's just society as a whole in the organizations we're in, right? Because you go to work and spend the majority of your time with your colleagues, you should enjoy it, right? And then and then the other side of that, if I feel, really feel I can bring my full self to work, the amount of contribution you would see from me, if I really could just put my guard down, stop covering all the things I either don't want you to know about me or don't want to talk about at work and really just be. And I think that's what we're all looking for, right? Because we just want to go to work and do our job at the end of the day. And I think it's our responsibility to create a culture that you can do that in. I'm so happy you said that. Yes. You know, create a culture that we want to be happy in and to come as our full self, right? Come as your full self. 
you know, we've talked a lot, I think so far in this podcast, like about a cultural shift, thanks to 2020. I think that's one of the good things that came out of it, that awareness. And part of that awareness, you know, when we talk about building teams and creating, um, you know, workshops, whatever it might be um, within our corporations, another topic that also falls into this is also equal pay. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we don't always like to talk about, or we like to skirt around, but this is really the time, right? This is the time to bring it all to the table. And when companies are having these discussions or employees are having these discussions, do you have any guardrails that you can suggest? I'm not really a guardrail person. Okay. <laughs> okay. Think, no guardrails. Yeah. Well, those are good conversations to have. The yes. analyst in me mm-hmm. um, always double clicks to ask more questions, right? So, you know, when we think of pay equity, what are the things that go into determining whether or not you have equity and pay, right? So it's performance reviews. Uh, time and job, all these other factors. And I think sometimes it's really important to double click looking at them separately. Could there be bias and other processes that explain away pay disparities? You know, having those tough conversations, I think it's really important for HR leaders and those in comp and, you know, I had my time and compensation as well to really understand it's time to interrogate the process and the practice, not people. Because often I think those that do the work feel like I've got to explain it, right? It's They're going to say it's me that did it. No, we're going to take the people out of it. Let's look at the practices and processes and see, is there bias in there, right? And then let's fix it. We don't have to explain and defend. How do we get here? Let's just correct, right? The disparities that we see and the imbalances that we see um, to make this more fair and equitable. The other double click I think is important when I think of pay equity. So we know March, right? Is that time frame that we see, you know, women working through, Uh, to have equitable pay with men. The double click when we look at it by race is quite interesting, right? Uh, And I I might get this wrong now because these dates fluctuate, but, you know, African-American women in August, I believe, Hispanic women, September, maybe now October, um, Asian women actually in February. So when you start understanding, wow, you know, we have this big celebratory day of pay equity in March, that doesn't impact me as a black female. And that's some of these conversations we have around the intersections of our identity, right? I'm not one thing. I don't check the female box. I don't check the black box, right? I'm many things that make me who I am. And so I think um, disaggregating the data is, is critical, particularly around pay discussions or any other discussions to really understand what's going on and where other disparities lie. Bridget, I'm glad you asked that because, you know, we as women, right? I mean, we are still behind men on equal pay, um, you know, at 82 cents uh, for the dollar. And then when you start breaking out the nationalities, you know, with um, Black Women's Equal Pay Day, you're right, because I'm looking at it is August 3rd at 63 cents a dollar. So less. And then, you know, and then you go to like Native American woman, 60 cents. Latina woman at 55 cents. And then when you go to mothers, right, which a lot of us are, and, you know, I personally think being a mom has only helped me as a person in my career. And, and it's, it's definitely made me who I am today. Um, but it's even less for moms, right? So, you know, how do we, how do we start moving that boat forward, especially as we've you know, we've seen all these reports that with COVID, we're back to like 1980 something numbers with 
with mothers and, and women in the workplace. Like, you know, I don't want to be fatalistic, but all that work, like, how do we move forward? It's really unfortunate. One thing I always say, you know, you can't have empathy for what you don't have proximity to. I think the pandemic was a very um, telling experience for many of us. And so even for me, as someone um, with no children, a lot of the people on my team all had kids. Actually, my whole team, everyone had kids. So something I really worked to do going through the pandemic, while my own experience was mine, and you know, I had my challenges of feeling lonely sometimes, right, in the house and things like that, hearing them on calls and understanding all they were juggling was eye-opening for me. Right. I wasn't shocked by it, but it was, it gave me great perspective to think about, okay, how can I create flexibility, empathy, understanding, compassion that I can position them to still be very successful. They had still right. So much to contribute and the ability that you can juggle all those things and still do your job. Right. is something in and of itself. And so for me, I thought that perspective was, was great. And I love being in a role that I can share that within the organization as we talk about, you know, flexibility for our employees, when we thought about, you know, what's this going back to work, you know, how many days on, how many days remote, Beam has done an incredible job of creating flexibility for its employees to have some options in there that fit your lifestyle, right? And we're not putting one above the other. Just because I'm single doesn't mean, you know, I can work more because, right, you know, those kind of things. We're just going to create flexibility and opportunity to, to let people and adults be adults, right? Manage your time do that as best you can and get your job done. And I think at the end of the day, I wish more of us would do that. But I think hitting the pause to have empathy for other people and what they might be going through is absolutely critical. Um, And I guess for me, what I've learned to do in my career, and I think that's why I kind of, I am the way I am. I had an amazing leader uh, for 10 years in my career that was very empathetic and would show me compassion. And so that's something I wanted to make sure I paid forward. Thank you for sharing that. Um, where do you see DNI and equity in five years from now in large companies? You know, and I don't know if it's in five years, but long down the path, I mean, ideally, I would work myself out of a job, right? We would create such an inclusive organization that is not just Victoria's responsibility, all of our leaders' responsibility, that it becomes embedded in the work they do and lead. That DNI eventually just kind of becomes this little, you know, center of excellence. We're kind of keeping the, the the train on the track, so to speak, making sure things are sustainable. That at no point you check the box and we're done, right? So I think it's going to kind of turn into how to make sure these things are sustainable. Keeping an eye on future things that could come up. I think we saw this even recently, right? So there was so much attention, Black Lives Matter, everything going on with the Black community, and then it was stop Asian hate. Then we see a rise in anti-Semitism. Then we see more protests, right, going on around the world. So, you know, ultimately, how do we just stop hate and be anti-hate, right, in terms of bringing people together? But I think having someone or this function kind of keep an eye on any developing issues, right, to one is brand protection, crisis management, things like that. But over time, I would love to see DNI just become embedded in who we are. Um, as leaders, I, I don't know that that's in the next five years to be completely honest, but you know, I hope down the path that that's where we're headed. What gives me some optimism is when I think about Gen Z and where they are and their mindset around culture, around how they treat one another, around, you know, I don't want to check a box. I'm me, I'm who I am and having empathy for 
um, other groups. I think we saw that during the protests in 2020, you know, far more young white people involved, you know, than just black people. It wasn't a black issue. It was a humanity issue and, and people cared. So I hope that's something we really start to see. Uh, just looking at my niece and nephew, you know, and, and how they kind of live and carry themselves, it leaves me full of optimism that at some point we'll get there. But I think in the meantime, we have to be relentless to eradicate hate for people to stand up and speak out, I think is really important. Um, when I think of allyship and advocacy of those around us, so just because it doesn't directly affect you, it's your responsibility to stop it too. Again, what kind of society do you want to live and work in? And so I think that's all of our responsibility. And the more of us that, right, pick up that banner and say, yes, we're going to fight the good fight together, I think we'll get there. Yeah, I agree. It, it takes us all, right, and and everybody to contribute. And, you know, one, one other point that you brought up, you know, with, with organizations are, you know, looking at where do you spend your money, right? And who are your um, who are your suppliers that you work with? One of the things that we've seen since all this awareness around hate and, and, you know, um, biases around different race and, and different vendors is we're starting to see some of our biggest retailers, restaurants and, and packaging stores that want a more diverse product to, to put out specifically around wine and spirits. And it's, it's almost disappointing and sad that it took this time for that need to be there. But I think people are just a lot more aware of like, well, where does my brand come from? Who owns my brand? Are there black owned wine and spirits owners? Are there Asian owned wine and spirits or like what is, and we, as a company have kind of dove into our product catalog and we're working on an internal employee led program. Um, which we'll talk about another time is how do we help support minority owned wine and spirit suppliers and give them those resources? Cause they don't necessarily have the decades of, of family and, um, and having it passed on from generation to generation, but they have big dreams, big ideas, and they kind of need that connection to get out. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts around diversifying. And we know a lot of our big suppliers, I know Diageo has a program where they're actively sourcing and, and looking, you know, and, and we know that a lot of the big suppliers do buy the, the smaller brands over time. And that's kind of, you know, hitting that jackpot. What do you see in the future of our industry and really diversifying uh, ownership, black owned um, wine and spirit suppliers specifically? I actually see, and some companies do this today, more programs around mentorship um, for minority-owned business. I think, you know, when you think of not a hand out, but a hand like, you know, up of what do I not know? I think a lot of times when companies um, are sourcing and they're considering diverse-owned business, they, you know, they get the no, right? So say they go with a different supplier, but they never find out why. Same thing honestly happens in recruiting. If you don't know what you did wrong or what you could do better, how can you improve? And so some companies that are doing this really well, spend the time and money to reinvest in creating programs, one, providing you the feedback, two, showing you how to get become scalable. If that's the issue, here's what we need you to do. Go back, work on this. Maybe there's another opportunity right down the path to work together again. I think providing that feedback is critical. It's very valuable. Um, even sometimes and even landing the contract, if you know what you could do better. And I think if companies would take the time to do that, would have a huge impact 
right. To see, to see other companies grow and, and it's in that space, less about competition. It's just opportunity and ensuring that everyone has right. Fair opportunity. I think a lot of times also when you think of contracts and suppliers, a lot of it's who, you know, so a lot of times minority owned, diverse owned, women owned business just get excluded because they're not running in the right circles versus creating again, fair and equitable processes of how you're going to go about, right? Recruiting the best supplier. And a lot of times it might be a, a more nimble business, a business that's more agile, one that's taken more hits probably, right? As they're developing and they learn like along the way. And I think that's important that they get those opportunities. So again, it's not just, it's not charitable giving. Sometimes people, I think, confuse supplier diversity with almost charity. That's not what it is. It's economic empowerment. Right. And I think it's using our um, buying power the right way. And I think for large organizations, it's your corporate responsibility for the communities that you serve. That is an amazing note to end on economic (laughs) empowerment. Did you hear that listeners? That's terrific. Victoria, I want to thank you on behalf of Julia and myself for joining served up today. Thank you for being so open for sharing your journey and for giving us all some terrific tips around D and I and equity um, as well. I want to wish you just great health and a lot of peace. And we hope to have you back again sometime. Thank you. And cheers. Thank you. Cheers to you. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!